Hello and welcome to episode 7. Thanks for everyone who has downloaded and listened to the show so far. The webpage is fully up and running. Please click follow on that webpage. And the show is also available on iTunes. If you have the iTunes podcast app on your phone, you can just hit subscribe on that one. And that will make sure you get the show automatically as soon as I put one out. I'm also on Spotify, I think, but I'm not yet on Stitcher or Tea Kettle or Earscream or Belchcast or any of these other odd podcatcher platforms. I mean, I'll get there. They uh, they all require you to submit your RSS feed to them, and it's mostly easy, but it does take a little time, and I'm essentially a one-man band, so it will happen when I get around to it. So yeah, I've launched the show on Podbean. That's my chosen home hosting site. Um, You need a specialist host that can store all the big audio files of a podcast and allow people to download and access them swiftly. And um, so far, it's been really good. It's a very easy-to-use interface. It's well-designed, and uh, they have good customer care, and it's a really great price. I'm a total newbie, but I'm really liking the analytics they provide. It's very clear and updated daily, and I'm getting statistics on the number of downloads, which episodes get downloaded, and when and where in the world it is listened to. I've had unexpected listeners as far away as Australia, Japan, and Denmark, which is pretty cool. So really do take a moment to find me in podcasts on iTunes or follow me on Podbean, because it'll help the uh, algorithms find me easier and it'll help me continue to grow, which is a good thing, I think. Well, actually, looking at the mail this week, maybe that's up for debate. Let's see, what have I had? Yes, a few more nitpicky corrections. Last week, while I was trying to explain that Rutgers University was not founded by Rutger Hauer, you know, just trying to help inform my friends back in Europe who might, you know, make that assumption, which is understandable, I said that I thought that the one he founded was Brown University, but no, some Brown alumni have got in touch to point out that Brown was founded before Rutger Hauer was even born, actually in 1764 by the Brown family, blah-de-blah. Okay, lads, thanks for the feedback. But if Rutger Hauer had nothing to do with your university, why is your motto, lacrimis id pluvis? Sorry, my Latin's a little rusty. Lacrimis in pluvis, which uh, translates from the Latin as tears in the rain. Yeah, I'm sure that's just a weird Roy Batty Rutger Hauer coincidence. Happens all the time. Okay, moving on. Also had some hate mail this week from some Republicans in Texas who are quite upset with my take on the racist, mass-murdering liar George Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah, so uh, I guess they're really going to love the video I've made with Claxton for the YouTube channel. Anyway, um, they didn't actually debate me or correct any of the fact-based arguments I presented a couple of weeks ago. They just basically wanted to shout at me and call me a libtard. 
It's quite, it's quite funny, really. One of them even wrote, in all caps, Go back to Brexit. Which is just weird, but, you know, the more I think about it, it's also strangely apt, since it does seem that uh, the motherland has essentially become a never-ending singular ongoing event, kind of in the way the British press essentially reduced the entirety of Germany and its people, language and culture into a tin pot mind picture of World War II Nazis for, you know, they've done that for like the past 80 years. But anyway, I'm sorry, Texas Republicans. I am not going back to Brexit. I'm an American citizen. I've been naturalized for some five or six years now. I paid my money and I made the pledge and passed all the tests. I'm not sure if I would pass the test now. I I mean, I probably would. I mean, I'm not brown-skinned or a Muslim or from a non-Christian country. I'm not a refugee from war or a religious extremist dictatorship or a climate change event. But I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but one of the first things Trump did when he took office was to change the mission statement of the U.S. Immigration and Citizenship Department. Um, You should look it up. It's very telling uh, with what's happening now in the country. Um, I'll link to it from the show notes. What it basically did was remove the phrase securing America's promise as a nation of immigrants and the mission being helping and welcoming and promoting democracy and citizenship. And now, instead, it's basically a building block uh, for a full-on fascist ethno-state. Look at the... You just check out the wording. It's all about protecting the nation, securing the homeland, and honouring our values. And I think we know what our values are, or what they'd like to say that they are. Exclusion one religion separating refugee children from their parents not to care for them better oh no to put them in cages and uh, and punish them i'm i'm wondering now if they've changed the rest of the procedure i bet they've changed the civics quiz um i don't know if you know but part of the immigration test is a whole pop quiz on us history and the bill of rights there's like a, a hundred questions and you have an interview with an immigration agent and you draw a random ten questions of the hundred. You pull a piece of paper out of the skull of Abraham Lincoln, and then you have to get six right out of ten. It was uh, actually the nicest bit about the whole thing, to be honest. And I did really well. I, I aced it. I got every question right. Um, although, I, I, you know, I do think I got a lot of the easy ones. You know, who was the first ever president? George Washington. What was the Civil War thought over? Slavery. Who founded Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island? The Dutch actor Rutger Hauer. You know, they probably catch out a lot of immigrants uh, with that question, who choose Rutgers, understandably. But no, Rutgers is actually the State University of New Jersey, and no relation. Anyway... I think I should probably check out what the pop quiz looks like now. Knowing this bunch of goons, I bet they've done something to it. Two, one, two, one, two. (laughs) 10.30 p.m. Jesus is magic! If you are poor, it's because Jesus wants you to be poor. Fuck off. I'm Michael Carmichael, sitting in for Terry Gross. Today I'm interviewing Janine Margopoulos, Howard Schultz's podiatrist, about her new book, Caring for the Feet of Atlas. And you. 
your whole family, my mobile phone bag gonna crush Sean Hannity. No. Welcome back. It's back to back. Ooh, a chapter. Just uh, trying to get a, a grip on uh, this podcast I'm going to review. It's called The Ballad of Billy Balls, and it's set in New York City. Like anything with New York City, it's kind of like the city's such a, a romanticized kind of animal. So I'm just thinking about, you know, my time in New York and our time in New York and just trying to, like, remember and kind of get a feel for the place again. Mm-hmm. Was that when we went to the Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, that's one. Oh. How many times did we stay at the Chelsea? Twice, I think. Twice, yeah. That was... Did we stay there with my parents once? I think we did. Three times. Right, yeah, we took yeah we took your parents one time. Was that two or three times that total? Was three times total, yeah. Those wonderful. were the days. Yeah, what a place. Incredible. I mean, so much history, but also so beautiful and so open. Dylan Thomas died there. You know, William Burroughs. Sid and Nancy. Sid and Nancy. William Burroughs hammered out naked lunch in one of the rooms. Yeah, we had our regular spot in New York. I know, $90. And it was just so full of, like, amazing art. And it was, like, right in the heart of Chelsea. And you were just, it was just incredible. And then, you know, got taken over. The big stack bullies came, came in with their money. And now it's really just bottom so, under top end. Right, yeah. But even, I don't know, even bottom end's expensive. Like the travel lodge is like $300 now. Yeah. Resort fee in a travel lodge. No resort fee. After Times Square. <laughs> it's crazy. It's changed so much. It's just like, I can't, you know, really get to grips with it. I mean, I, this particular podcast is about a particular heyday 70s punk cbgb's new york this like rough and ready hell's kitchen music kind of scene which is just so romanticized it's just incredible it's like almost it's almost too good to be true and the audio quality is just exceptional so i'm just like thinking about all the times that we had i mean you know i was there and my first time was 96 but you were there in 96 as well right I was. What did you do? I you saw did? the original cast of Rent. Right, that was good, yeah. I did. Not only did I see it, I saw it twice in one day. And the original cast invited me and my friend Mickey to go party with them that night. And they won the Drama Desk Award that night while we were partying with them. Wow, there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're no big lover of musicals, though. Mm, I was then. Right. Oh, this was when you were at college. I used to be a big lover of musicals. Oh, were you a freshman? Well, uh, yeah, it was. Yes, yes, it was freshman year. Freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. How did you meet the cast then? Well, I wrote to them on pink paper. You wrote <laughs> <laughs> because I had heard that a great technique for getting someone to notice your letter to do it on a particularly bright stationery. And I wrote to the director, and I wrote to several of the lead actors and said, we're college students, we're theater majors, we would love to meet them. And we went backstage after the play, and they remembered us. They said, oh, you're the one who wrote us on pink stationery. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yes, we are. And I said to Daphne Rubin Vega, you have the most stunning voice. And she said, oh, darling, it's just because I smoked too many cigarettes. Come here. And she just gave me a big hug. Wow. 
and then and then you partied invited her this where was it where come was it like a a restaurant no it was in someone's house great why don't you come to this party with us and he said yes la vie bohème (laughs) exactly wow when I was there in 96, I spent a lot of time just uh, bumbling around bookstores and, and bars. You know, McSorley's was one of my favorite hangouts. I think part of it was also your age. I think the city house changed, but also right. when we were there in our 20s, Mm-hmm. It's okay to stay in a hostel or you slept in strawberry fields. And yeah, yeah, I, I and slept rough in Central Park, yeah. It's no big deal, and no you, big deal. you know, right. yeah. just grab a cheap slice of pizza and you're just living the dream. That is, that is one thing, But our standards yeah. are a little different now. It's crazy now, though. I mean, I'd love to take the kids to see uh, Hades Town. It's just a, Oh, yeah, I'd love to take them to Hades Town. You know, they, we, I love that our kids are really into... Uh, that. Dark, dark adult musical. That is a fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's a classic. They love. They rock out to that. Yeah, I mean, so well. Sung, I love that. So well it's done. just. It always. It feels like money is a constant stress whenever you're there. It you is. Feel, you feel like you're hemorrhaging money, getting there, walking down the street. We went to that meeting. That meeting. Eating, that, that, doing when you, you had that reading that one time, and we ended up like rushing around, and we had to take a hundred dollar parking spot, and uh, the only place we could park was like in in this hundred dollar three hour lot, the mm-hmm. center of Midtown Manhattan. It was just nuts. I always have trouble with these kind of love letter pieces as well, whereby mm-hmm. you know a place has just been so mythologized and idealized that it means so much to people who weren't even there. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, when you find yourself chuckling along to endless rent control jokes on Saturday Night Live and Seinfeld and, you know what I mean? Every play you see written by a New York playwright. Right, or every play ever written by a New York playwright. Has has to mention rent control. Some kind of coded rent control guffaw that everyone can roll their eyes at. Just like, it's just nuts. Love to take the kids though. We'll take them. Should see Hades Town and Frozen. Oh yeah, the Frozen musical is that supposed to be good? I don't know if I could sit through that. Hades Town is definitely <laughs> there. Yeah, no. Let's just go bring them to really good adult stuff. I love you. Love you. It's review. <laughs> the Ballad of Billy Balls. This is the third podcast series from the team that produced Crime Town a few years ago. Now, I'll certainly be reviewing that show. Um, probably as part of a bumper true crime special I'm putting together. But for now, I'm just going to focus on Billy Balls. So this is a podcast from Gimlet Media, who have become one of the high-end quality podcast production houses on the scene. And it's also from the very brilliant I.O. Tillit Wright. Great name, by the way, I.O. I think it's a moon of Jupiter named after uh, Roman mythology. I wish more people had names from mythology. It'd make things more interesting. I don't know, maybe it's a whole new parenting trend that's actually happening somewhere. Like, probably in Brooklyn. Kraken, don't spit water at Medusa. 
Hades, please share. <laughs> anyway, Billy Balls, episode one is amazing. It is nothing less than an audio masterpiece. They take you back to the punk heyday in early 70s New York City. The scene around the famous CBG club and the village and the Bowery. And they have as a guide this... Uh, this woman, Rebecca, uh, Virgil, if you will, into the Dante's Inferno of her own mind, who tells us about that time in her life as a kid in New York, falling in love with this young punk rock musician called Billy Balls. And it's a tragedy in the full sense of the word. The whole episode is a, a, a love letter to Billy and a love letter to New York City in the 70s, uh, that place of punk and dirty, rebellious freedom that has vanished now like a ghost, but not for Rebecca, who seems very much stuck in that time like a sort of Miss Havisham figure. The sound design and mixing and storytelling on this episode is epic. The team have conjured up a piece of absolute magic. Well done, everyone. You have to hear it. It's like they've ripped open time and space and pulled through a pair of earphones so you can eavesdrop on another world. And Billy Balls gets shot and Rebecca loses her mind. And so the setup is, can we try and solve this murder of this stick-thin New York City punk archetype? The team who put this together are nothing less than Sonic Alchemists. I mean, they've mixed up a love potion with a pinch of Johnny Ramone, a dash of Bad Brains, a syringe drop of Sid and Nancy, the distilled aroma of sweat and piss from some packed dark nightmare club, homemade ear piercings and infected tattoos, a dash of Paddy Smith and Sam Shepard, and of course a big dose of look at me, I don't give a fuck, please look at me, I don't give a fuck. That exciting peacock world of rebellion and feigned indifference. So after episode one, it sort of shifts tack a little bit and there's a big revelation as it becomes very much more Io's story. Um, now, I don't want to give this away too much because it's exciting and it's still a new show. So you can jump on board with us right now and catch up in a couple of hours. Um, there's a really good reveal and you will enjoy it. And it's going really well. Um, I think it's, it's just dropped four episodes and I'm hooked and I think you will be too. Um, there's a new one out this coming Thursday. Now, I don't know if it's going to be able to maintain the narrative excitement, but it's already proven to be an amazing ride. You know, I do have a deep cynical side um, and it has whispered to me a little doubt that it could all just be a glorious fabrication but honestly, even if it is, I still love it to bits. It's, I, you know, this this cynical little whisper is probably coming uh, to me because of the romanticized nature of New York City itself. And, and, you know, the perfect sound design and the voices and testimony they have captured just seems a little bit too good to be true. But to be honest, I should be the last person to have these doubts because uh, as a writer and artist myself, I've often been in that weird place that a work of fiction has been called out as being unbelievable uh, when the truth behind the story is actually far stranger than anything I've come up with. In fact, both Jen and I have been in this weird position, the uh, truth being stranger than fiction moment, because 
you know, I guess at heart, truth is a sort of accepted group hypnotism at times uh, when it's separated from the scientific method as uh, all art must be uh, to connect with the uncanny wonder of existence on this planet run by hypercognitive ape descendants addicted to money and easy living. <laughs> wow, I, I'm sorry. I really do lose track sometimes. Anyway, um, The Ballad of Billy Balls, five stars, two thumbs up. Join me in listening to the show, and it also gets a... Um, Police siren duck. A hallelujah. And let's see. Yeah, gotta be. A suffragette scene. Don't lean on me, man, cause you can't afford the ticket. Okay, Mr. Newsham, your FBI background check and biometric samples seem to be in order, so that just leaves the civics test. Right. Oh, sorry, excuse me. It's not called the civics test anymore. It's the American values quiz now. <laughs> so many changes at the moment. Did you get the new booklet? No, I picked one up in the hallway out there, um, but I actually prepared for the old test. <sighs> well, you can postpone, I suppose. Uh, we can maybe get you back in next year sometime, but you'll probably forfeit your application fee. Oh, no. And biometrics will probably want a new skin, blood, and spit sample. I can't do that. Look, I shouldn't tell you this, but it's basically all the same information with a few tweaks here and there. Nothing huge. And it's multiple choice. Honestly, I've had a bunch of people through here already in exactly the same situation as you, and they all aced it. Granted, they were mostly Asian, but I see here you have a college education. I think you'll be fine. Okay. Let's give it a go. Great. Question one. Who is the 45th and greatest ever president of the United States of America? Is it A, Donald Trump, B, Mitch McConnell, C, Stormy Daniels, or D, Ronald McDonald? You're serious? You want me to repeat the question? No, I'm just amazed. I mean, Stormy Daniels... That's the prostitute he had his lawyer, the chairman of the Republican Party, pay off illegally. I know, it's easy, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, you got a real break with this new set of questions. The old ones had some real miserable historical ones. Stuff about all the executive branches, Bill of Rights. And greatest ever president? I know. Like, let's wait till after the second term, maybe? But anyway, you actually have to answer. This is uh, being taped. It's A. The answer you want me to give you is A, Donald Trump. Correct. Question two. What are all illegal immigrants to the United States? Incredible. A, rapists. B, brown-skinned. C, 
an essential part of the workforce forming an exploitable underclass that keeps this vampiric machine running, or D, all rapists, thieves, and murderers? Well, obviously it's C, an essential part of the workforce. Wrong. Wow. You really screwed up there. You could have answered A, B, or D. No, no. It is demonstrably untrue that illegal immigrants are all brown-skinned rapists, thieves, and murderers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't debate club. I know you're upset, but take a deep breath. I am upset, but it's not because I got it wrong. Okay, okay. Here's a good one. Question three. Hillary Clinton? A... Former corporate lawyer for Walmart. Wait, Hillary Clinton? That's not a question. Yes, it is. Look, see? Hillary Clinton, question mark. Um, yes, but... Look, Mr. Newsham, let's just get through this, okay? I mean, I'm not as busy with this stuff as I was under Obama, but I do have things to do. I mean, the weapon training requirement has more than tripled. So let me just do my job, and then you can get out of here a crisp... Freshly minted citizen of the greatest country on God's good earth. If you say so. Okay, question three. Hillary Clinton? A, former corporate lawyer for Walmart. B, crooked Hillary. C, basically forced him to do Monica Lewinsky. Or D, lock her up. This is insane. That's not an answer, sir. Okay, D. Lock her up. But I would like to add that slandering a political opponent without evidence, who has been cleared of any criminal activity, is straight out of the playbook of the worst dictators in history. Correct. Question four. Who was totally exonerated by the Trump University fraud scheme? Wow. I totally forgot about that one. A. Donald Trump. B. Ronald McDonald. C. Nobody. Or D. It never happened. I guess the correct answer is A, C, and D. Correct. Good. <laughs> but uh, it only counts as one correct answer. Okay, question five. What are the League of the South, Identity Europa, Vanguard America, and the Proud Boys? A. White supremacists. B. Misunderstood kids. C homegrown terror organizations, or D, very fine people. Well, after Charlottesville and everything, I guess C, homegrown terror organizations. <laughs> Incredible. You struck out again. Are you sure you went to college? It's A, B, or D, man. You are three and two. <sighs> Question six. According to the president, if you are a celebrity and you find a young woman attractive, you can... Oh, no. A... Ask them out on a date. No, please. B. Invite them on Jeffrey Epstein's private airplane. No, no, please stop. C. Make them your third wife on the promise of money and lifting their whole family out of poverty. Seriously, I'm starting to feel a deep yawning gulf in my stomach. Or D. Just grab them by the pussy. I can't do this. I'm just repulsed by everything that's happening right now. And I think it's up to everyone, but especially people like you who can say no and put a stop to all this. I'm talking about mass action. Let's just stop the madness and walk out. Not gonna happen, bro. Oh. We're better than this. 
Yeah, well, go back to Brexit, you limey. Kumquat eyes, scum. That's it. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be reviewing Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls with my own little rebel girl, Sierra. The jazz is provided by Mario Rom's Interzone. I don't know who is supplying your jazz currently, but you should switch supply to these crazy cats. Find out more about them on my site. Andy's Podcast and Podcasting Podcast is brought to you by the American Shoe Castle. New York City is very fecal in the summer. If you do have to leave your rent-controlled apartment for whatever reason, put on some shoes. The floor is covered with sharp stones and rat feces. If you like the show, please drop me a line at Andy's Podcaster Podcast at Gmail and follow me on www.andyspodcasterpodcastingpodcast.com. Oh, please come find me on Facebook. Have a great week. Bye.